Hey, Pastor Adam here, a little bit different this week. Uh, Faith on Hill is part of the Pacific Conference. It's a family of churches in Washington and Oregon. And once a year, we have an annual meeting that's happening this week, Monday through Wednesday. Uh, because of that, my friend Pastor Brian Hotram is in town with his wife, and they'll be preaching at Faith on Hill this morning, Sunday morning, and then uh, we'll be taking part of the annual conference together. Brian recorded a video version of his sermon, and so that's what we're going to be having on our online service this morning. Um, I just ask you to be praying for us. Uh, from our church, Mark Harris and I will represent the church at the annual meeting, and um, this year we're going to be doing the normal business stuff we have to do, but we'll also be voting on changes to our discipline, which is kind of like the bylaws of our conference, uh, specifically around the issue of ordaining women as pastors. And uh, I was asked to write a position paper on this, and if you want a copy of it, I'm happy to give it. Um, but I was one of the guys who was asked to write a position paper, and even though I believe that um, the Bible talks about men leading their families, the Bible talks about men leading the church, uh, I do believe that women can and should be uh, acknowledged in their pastoral ministries, and um, that most pastors, whether they're men or women on church staffs, are actually deacons. Uh, so I recognize that as a biblical option. And for churches that hold a different view, if you were to put together a list of things that I don't want to divide over, that's really high up. Um, so if a church in our conference wanted to have a, a lady as the lead pastor, um, I can't support it biblically, but I also don't think it's something worth dividing over. Be praying for us, though. We're going to be talking about it and discussing it. And if you have questions about what I just wrote, you're like horrified that I would suggest uh, that a lady could be a pastor, or if you're like thinking that I'm too conservative on this issue, I'd be totally happy to talk to you about it. But I consider the online service an actual church service, and I'm going to be talking to our church about this tomorrow, so I wanted to let you know. Uh, so that's what's happening. Uh, Pastor Brian uh, from our, our sister church in Sweet Home, Oregon, is going to be sharing with us this morning. Uh, I hope you in, are blessed by it, encouraged by it. Uh, we'll be back in the small groups this week. And uh, remember, we're taking donations for the Toy and Joy program. So if you have toys uh, for boys and girls, uh, elementary age up to early middle school, uh, we are taking donations for that. So love to have, uh, have a full barrel. Uh, all right. Here's Pastor Brian, and he's going to be uh, sharing with us this morning at Faith on Hill. The American author Mark Twain once said, If you eat a live frog first thing in the morning, nothing worse will happen to you that day. <laughs> and I, I've read a book a couple times. The book is called Eat That Frog. It takes the title from this quote from Mark Twain. And the book is all about uh, basically time management, make your to-do list, and just get it done. And, uh, you know, we've all got a to-do list, and sometimes it gets out of hand. I'm Brian Hotram. I'm, I'm, it's a privilege for me to join Faith on Hill uh, today. And part of the reason I'm here is just uh, to help out another pastor whose to-do list is a little bit long. And we've all got a long to-do list. I don't know about you, but my to-do list, pretty long. It gets out of hand. It's, it's okay to have 
things on your list to do, right? I mean, you, you know, you need some challenges in life, and there's a sense of accomplishment when you get it done. However, problems happen when there's too many challenges, and then it snowballs, and it begins to get stressful, and then it begins to get overwhelming. Here we are living in COVID world here. I mean, we're getting close to two years of COVID and it has pushed just the average stress level for everyone is just up a bit more than normal. And uh, that's because life is more complicated these days. It's, uh, my wife is Canadian, and so uh, just last month we were able to go up to Canada, finally, to go see family up there. And it's a little bit complicated to travel these days. It's complicated to go shopping these days, or go to a doctor, or just a lot of things are just a lot more complicated, which just adds this element of stress of life. For a lot of people, they're, they're retiring early this year. I know pastors that are retiring early. I know pastors that are um, basically thrown in the towel. And uh, they are they're quitting their job as a pastor because of the stress level has gone up. Uh, last year, we were all in crisis mode and, and making things happen. But this year, it's setting in. I, I really hate to use the phrase, but it is into the new normal. And this new normal is a lot of extra stress. It's just more work. Everything's more complicated. And we're all living these stressed out lives. Even before COVID came along, we were all living these stressed out lives. And, and today I'm going to look at the last chapter of the book of Job. Uh, Adam has been in a series looking at um, uh, books of the Bible that, that don't get looked at very often. And I don't know, Job's kind of somewhere in the middle there. I think we've been looking at Job a little bit because of suffering. And he gets a little popular that way. And we're looking at, at Job, uh, let's see, the, the middle of your Bible. The biggest book in the Bible is Psalms. That's right about in the middle of the Bible. We're going right before that in the last chapter of Job. So it'll be Job 42, and the next one will be Psalm chapter 1. But we're in, in Job 42 today. And, you know, the book of Job, it opens uh, with Job being this wealthy guy. And everything's going great. And then everything falls apart for him. To say that Job was stressed would be a massive understatement. Uh, he, he is minding his own business. And then there's this conversation between God and Satan. And God says, hey, you notice my guy Job, isn't he great? And God is kind of bragging on Job. And Satan says, oh, come on. The only reason he follows you is because you give him so many blessings. I mean, you take that away, a little bit of suffering, he'll, I'm totally sure he'll turn on you. And God says, no, he won't. And Satan says, yes, he will. And so God doesn't bring the suffering on Job, but God allows the suffering to happen to Job. And bad things happen. He, at one point, he is on top of the world, and then the next thing you know, he's one of the soggy bottom boys singing, I am a man of constant sorrow. Job's wife isn't helpful. Job has some friends show up. Uh, his friends, 
His friends show up to try to encourage him. You know, I mean, when you're, his health is gone. So it's almost like they're making a hospital visit here, and yet they aren't helpful. They end up being horrible friends, saying some pretty mean stuff to Job. The bulk of the book of Job, about 35 chapters, are conversations going back and forth between Job and his friends. That's the majority of the book. And Job is just, he's struggling, he's suffering, he wants to hear from God. And God finally speaks to him. Finally, in chapter 38, finally God shows up and speaks. But when God speaks, it is not this gentle, nice message that we like to think of. Uh, God, God is not this nice, gentle Santa Claus figure. God shows up and he says to Job in chapter 38, brace yourself and get ready because I got some questions for you. And God speaks, Job answers, and at the end of this encounter with God, things don't automatically get better for Job. It's not like, you know, there's a switch that gets uh, changed and all of a sudden everything goes back to normal. Job is still suffering. He's still lost all of his wealth. He, he had uh, 10 children, seven boys, three daughters, they all died. He's still lost his health. Everything is still a mess. However, by the end of the book, everything worked out. I'm going to skip to the end of the story here. Job chapter 42, verse 12, it says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than the beginning. For now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons, three more daughters. He named his first daughter Jemima, uh, the second Keziah, the third Karen Hapuk. Uh, in all uh, the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them in his will, along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. And then he died, an old man having lived a long, full life. All right, this is the end of the story. It's a happily ever after type of ending. Job went from blessing at the beginning of the book, Job chapter 1, to tremendous suffering all during the middle of the book. I, I mean, this book, it, just, you re, it is painful to read through the book of Job. Just, it, it's almost like reading someone's diary and just this inner anguish he's got. And then by the end of the book, he's back to being blessed. Uh, he went from stressed to blessed. And we are all stressed at times. Maybe you are even stressed at this moment. So how do we do this? How do we move from stressed to blessed? That's the big question, isn't it? We all want to do that. We all, we all live these just stressed out lives. Everything's more complicated and stressful. How do we move from stressed to blessed? The prosperity gospel preachers, they got this plan. See, to move from stress to bless, what you need to do is give them money so they can buy another private jet, right? <laughs> Literally, that's what a couple of these guys are doing because, I mean, they need another private jet. Oh, my word. It's ridiculous. I Basically, they're con men. There's other prosperity gospel preachers that say what you need to do to move from stress to bless is to just have some positive thinking in your life. That's a little bit more helpful than donating to the private jet fund, but it's still, 
it, it, it's, there's, it doesn't, still doesn't answer the question. Job didn't go from suffering to blessing because he had positive thoughts in his life. He didn't go from suffering to blessing because of a positive mental attitude, thinking happy thoughts, some good vibes in his life. So how do we move from stressed to blessed? That, we want that movement, don't we? We don't want to live stressed out lives. We want to live blessed lives. So how do we get there? Job had heard from God, but that didn't mean that there was an end to his suffering. Job was suffering, it, and uh, at the end of chapter 42, the suffering was over. Everything is good, but this wasn't an automatic thing where all of a sudden God just snaps his fingers and blesses Job. Something happened. There was a process for him to move from stressed to blessed, and we see that here in Job chapter 42. All right, so I got a four-point outline for you today. I, I do this because I'm kind of old school. So, okay, I got number one on my outline is we need to recognize the power of God. We need to recognize the power of God. Look at Job chapter 42, verse 1, if you got your Bible with you. It says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. Job spends several chapters in just tremendous suffering and misery. And, and God finally speaks to him, starting in chapter 38. And God speaks to Job in a whirlwind. It's overwhelming for him. And things didn't turn around for Job until he heard from God and Job recognized the power of God. You see, we can't move from stress to blessed until we recognize that it's only God who can do that for us. Job learned that God is the almighty God and God can do anything. Uh, years ago, first church I pastored, I had a young couple from my church. They, uh, they went to be missionaries in Russia. And after they'd been there for a couple years, uh, my congregation said to me, hey, there's a mission trip coming up to go see uh, Kevin and Debbie uh, there in Russia. With, uh, they were with OMS International. And, uh, and the church said, would you go if we paid for it? And I said, sure. And to the church's credit, they paid for a round-trip ticket. It wasn't one of those one-way mission trips. And so what they did, Kevin and Debbie did this amazing outreach ministry, pretty simple really. Uh, they went to um, the college or colleges in town, was, they were in this big city, about 600,000 people, and went to the colleges and just told people, you know, college kids who had been studying English and they're putting on an English camp. Would you want to come and practice your English with real live Americans? And so, and they were up front and said, hey, we're gonna talk about the Bible and stuff. And we had several college kids that came for English camp. All I had to do was speak in English and talk about the Bible to college kids. I can do that. And so that was a great week. It was a great experience. And uh, there was one girl there Anya, and at the end of the end of the, yeah, it was about it was more than a week, but at the end of the camp time, um, she she I, I talked to her a bit, and she said that uh, you know she understood what I was saying about the God of the Bible and all of that, 
but just like all the rest of the college kids, none of them knew a Christian and none of them were, yeah, none of them went to church. And she said, she, she understood what I was saying, but she didn't really believe in a God like I was talking about. She said, my God is a lot smaller than that. And a lot, you know, he's not this big almighty God that I was talking about, which was sad to me. And you know, there's a lot of people just like Anya out there. They might not say it in so many words, but they don't really believe in an almighty, all-powerful God. They believe in a more of a friendly neighborhood God, uh, and they treat God like he's their imaginary friend or something, but that's not how this works, not at all. I, I, I have a brother who is running away from the Lord like crazy, and he makes a point of showing up to family gatherings uh, wearing his uh, shirt that says, I believe in science, uh, which I feel like that is, uh, that's a weird comparison between faith and science. And I mean, you know, science, science is basically, uh, you know, figuring out what normally happens. What are the laws of nature? What normally happens? And however, God will occasionally step in and bend and maybe even break these laws of nature that he set up in the first place. And when he does that, we call it a miracle. And this is the kind of thing that an almighty, all-powerful God will do and can do occasionally. Uh, Job has several speeches in the book of Job. I think there's like nine different speeches that Job has. And Job is defending himself from attacks from his friends. Job is questioning God. He's wondering, why is this happening to me? Which is something we all say when we're going through a time of suffering. And he's really, he's very discouraged. And when God finally speaks, the message to Job is basically... Quit trying to understand and explain everything and just recognize that God is the almighty, all-powerful God and he's going to do whatever he wants to do. That's number one. We need to recognize that God is the almighty, all-powerful God. Number two, I need to confess my defects of character. Uh, confess my defects of character. Job says in verse 3, uh, talking about God, and Job is talking to God, and he says, you asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. Job confesses that he's talking about things he really didn't know what he was talking about. So, Job confessed to doing, that, that he was wrong, and that he was doing what 99% of people do on social media these days is have an opinion and talk about things you don't really know what you're talking about. <laughs> because everybody on the internet has an opinion, everybody's an expert, and way too often we're talking about things we really don't know what we're talking about. Job was a good guy, but when bad things happened to him, he, well, he didn't turn away from God, okay? Job didn't sin by turning away from God. The devil was sure that you take away his wealth, you give him some suffering, some grief and loss, that he would turn on God, and Job didn't. 
But Job did whine and complain a lot, and he wondered why life wasn't fair, and Job demanded answers from the Almighty God. Job wasn't, he wasn't just now finding God. Uh, he wasn't confessing some immorality and sin, but he did have some defects of character. And he confessed that he said things he shouldn't have said because he said, I was speaking of things I knew nothing about. In order for us to move from stress to blessed, we need to recognize that God is the almighty, powerful God. And then we need to confess that God is almighty and I am not. I don't, I don't know everything. And that leads us to number three. When we do that, number three, then we know God in a deeper way. We know God in a deeper way. Verse 4, chapter 42, verse 4. You said, listen and I will speak. I have some questions for you and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. There's another Mark Twain quote I like. Mark Twain said, uh, if you pick up a cat by the tail, you will learn things you cannot learn any other way. <laughs> and this experience that Job had, it was tough. It was brutal, and it was like picking a cat up by the tail. Job learned things about himself, about God, about his family and friends, about the nature of suffering. He learned things that he could not have learned any other way. I love this part of the book of Job. I, in the New International Version, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but in the New International Version that I, I, I grew up with, it says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job went from just a head knowledge of God to experiencing God. He knew God in a deeper way now. And in the process of moving from stress to blessed, we get to know God in a deeper way. We see this all through the Bible, especially in the life of Abraham, who... Abraham, I, you know, we don't really know exactly when Job lived. The best guess is Job lived around the time of Abraham, give or take 300 years. Okay, so that's, a, that's about as close as I can get you there. But, you, you know, the story of Abraham, Abraham's a main character in the book of Genesis, clear back in the beginning of the Bible. And Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're beyond childbearing years. And they finally have a baby after God had been telling them for years, you're going to have a baby. Uh, and finally they did. They felt like it, this is impossible. They can't have kids. They've been trying for years. And now Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 and they finally have a baby. And this is when Job learned who God was. God says to Job, I am El Shaddai, which is Hebrew, which means I am the Lord Almighty. Some of you might remember the Amy Grant song clear back 40 years ago uh, where she sings El Shaddai. Uh, it, is, it is Hebrew. It means the Lord Almighty. Abraham got to know God in a deeper way. And then some years later, God says to Abraham, Hey, Abraham, you see that mountain over there? I want you to take your son Isaac and go sacrifice him on this mountain. Abraham didn't understand, but Abraham was willing to 
do what God said. And maybe you know the story. It comes from Genesis chapter 22. And, and at the last minute, God provides a ram and there, for the sacrifice. And this teaches us lessons about sacrifice and substitutes. And it's kind of a foreshadowing of Jesus. But in all this, Abraham comes to know God in a deeper way again. It says that Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh. Depends on how you pronounce it, how Hebrew you want to be. But uh, he named the place Jehovah Jireh, which is Hebrew, and it means the Lord provides. It is in the difficult times when we come to know God in a deeper way. In the midst of your stress and suffering of life, if you recognize that God is the almighty, all-powerful God of the universe, and that you are not in control of the universe, you're going to come to know God in a deeper way. Job was a godly, well-respected man before this event, and even more so afterwards because Job knew God in a deeper way. However, this isn't enough. He needed to do one more thing in order to move from stressed to blessed. Just recognizing God's all-powerful God, I've made some mistakes, and learning and knowing God in a deeper way is not enough. There's one more thing you need to do in order to move from stress to blessing. My friends, this is going to be the toughest one. So hang on. I need to forgive those who hurt me. It's number four on my outline. I need to forgive those who hurt me. The road from suffering to blessing it travels through Forgiveness Town, and there are no shortcuts. Always. I'm, I'm not sure if Job and his friends were really friends anymore. It says that his friends Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar showed up to encourage him. I, I have my little joke about how Bildad is the shortest man in the Bible because he is Bildad the shoe height. I know, horrible dad joke there. But Bildad said some pretty mean stuff to Job. You remember Job had ten children, seven boys, three daughters. All of them died right there in chapter 1. And Bildad says to Job in chapter 8, verse 4, Your children must have sinned against God, so their punishment is well deserved. Whew. How do you come back from that? Just saying, your kids had it coming. Eliphaz says to Job, uh, chapter 15, verse 2, a wise man wouldn't answer with such empty talk. You're nothing but a windbag. All three of them spent time telling Job, you're a lousy, no good sinner. And Job replies to them in Job 13, verse 5, if you could, be, if you could only be silent, that's the wisest thing you could do. And then in Job 16, verse 2, what miserable comforters you are. This has been a pretty rough time. And God has something that they all need to do. Not only did they speak about God in ways that were not true, but they also spoke to each other badly. And so God says here in Job 42, verse 7, after the Lord had finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer 
on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve, for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. God lets these guys know they were wrong about Job. They spent chapters of this book telling Job, Job, bad things happen to you because you're a no-good sinner and you just need to repent of whatever sin is in your life. And they said the meanest things to Job, and then, then God says, no, you need to go to Job and have Job pray on your behalf. That wasn't easy for them, and I'm sure it was even tougher on Job. Job's children had died, and Bildad said, they had it coming. Eliphaz called Job a windbag. Zophar, he accused Job of some horrible secret sin. And they all do this while Job is just feeling lousy and horrible and having health problems. Job is, is uh, chapter 3, he's wishing he would die. When is he going to die? So, I mean, he's on hospice at this point, and his friends are piling on. He lost all of his wealth, all of his possessions. He's grieving the loss of all of his children, and God wants Job to pray for them. The road from suffering to blessing, it always goes through forgiveness town, and there are no shortcuts. Job chapter 42, verse 10. When Job prayed for his friends, when and only when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Job recognized that God was the almighty God and that he can do anything. Job confessed his own shortcomings. Yeah, he said, I, I was whining and complaining. I didn't really know what I was talking about. And, but it wasn't until Job prayed for those who had hurt him deeply that things turned around for him. A lot of people are missing out on God's blessings in their lives because of the grudges that they're hanging on to in life. But God calls us to be forgiving because forgiveness is the very nature of God. We, we become more godly in our lives when we forgive others. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 14, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Forgiveness, it means three things. I could preach a, a whole sermon on forgiveness. My dad wrote a book on forgiveness, and um, so my dad could probably preach a series, uh, but uh, I'm going to do it in about a minute and a half. Forgiveness means three things. Number one, I'm not going to talk to that person about it ever again. I won't talk about it again. They are forgiven. I'm never going to bring it up to them again and hold it over their head. Number two, I'm not going to talk about, talk about it to anybody else. I'm not going to tell other people, hey, that guy, oh, oh, he, he just, you know, it was horrible what he did to me. I'm not going to bring it up to other people. They're forgiven. I don't bring it up to other people. And number three, I don't talk to myself about it anymore. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to replay it in my mind because that, 
would possibly make me angry and cause me to go back on my forgiveness. I won't talk to, I'm, I'm not going to talk to them, won't talk to others, won't even talk to myself because they are forgiven. And this is how God forgives us. I'm not going to talk to them. They're forgiven. I won't talk to others. They're forgiven. I'm not going to talk to myself. They're forgiven. We're letting it go. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, we like to ignore verse 15, don't we? But, if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. If you're going to move from stressed to blessed, you, you need to recognize the power of God. God's the only one that can move you from stress to blessed, okay? There's, there's nothing else that can actually get you there. We need to confess our own faults. Sometimes we got into these things because of our own bad decisions. And along the way, we get to know God in a deeper way. But then the tough one, we need to forgive those who hurt us along the way too. Job chapter 42, verse 10, again, it says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. I'm not saying that if you do these four things, you're going to win the lottery, okay? That's not how this works. But until you do these things, you are missing out on all the blessings that God has for you. You can't, you can't move from stress to blessed until you do these things. Are you willing to let go and do that today? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have forgiven us. Lord, we thank you that because of your sacrifice uh, that you paid for all of our sin so that we can be cleansed and forgiven. Lord, help us to forgive others, even though they may have hurt us deeply. Lord, we thank you for the example of Job and how it can be done. And Lord, I pray that for myself and for each one watching, listening right now, that your spirit would surround them. They could say yes to you, that they could recognize that you are the almighty God who can do anything, and to recognize that maybe there's some people I need to forgive. Lord God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for letting me join you today uh, here at Faith on Hill. Uh, Lord bless you. Have a great week.